Hey kids, this is Yoshi, and this episode of podcast is brought to you by Punk Apparel. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI, Y-O-S-H-I, in all caps, at the checkout for 15% off all items. Punk Apparel accepts all major currencies and offer free worldwide shipping. And thanks for listening to the show, and talk to you guys soon. Bye. Hey kids, I forgot to mention two more things. Um, this coming Friday, September 26th, Los Angeles Podcast Festival, I'm doing a show with Talking Shit Podcast, which belongs to today's guest, Eddie F. In fact, this is their last episode, episode 400. So it'd be great to see you guys come over to the festival and check out the show. So this Friday, September 26th, LA Podcast Fest at 7 p.m. in the Hollywood Room. And the hotel is Sofitel at 8555 Beverly Boulevard, Beverly Hills, California. And the hotel's number is 310-278-5444. Thanks, guys. Okay, and the last thing I need to mention to you guys is that um, I've been doing this medical lab job literally as guinea pig, and I haven't got paid from one of the facility. And I'm really angry with them because every time they say they're going to call me back, they don't, and they have not paid me. It's been over 60 days. And they have a history of nine paying people. So I would really appreciate if you guys go to Yelp to complain. Uh, I also appreciate if you guys go to Business Consumer Alliance and complain about them. So the name of the facility is Stay Well Research, uh, which is located in 81250 Roscoe Boulevard, room 240, Northridge, California. So the address is 18250 Roscoe Boulevard, room 240, Northridge, California. And their number is 866 Four zero seven zero two six six. Call them, tell them to pay Yoshi. Okay, I appreciate it if you could do that. Number is eight six six four zero seven zero two six six, and the company name is Stay Well Research. Um, I will appreciate you guys putting pressure on these guys because for five or six months, I literally went there and give them my shit, literally, and they haven't paid me back for my shit. So cons- contact Business Consumer Alliance. And the owner of, of the company's name, Jay Udani, J-A-Y space U-D-A-N-I. I don't know what, who the fuck he is. I don't know what his background. I know that a lot of the workers were speaking Russian, but give me my money and get the fuck out of Ukraine and give me my money, you scumbag, Jay. And that company code, the number that refers to company to complain, their code is 10009069. So guys, complain to them, call them, uh, call them to complain about not paying me. 866-407-0266. All right, guys, thanks, and uh, see you guys soon. Bye. You're listening to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Okay, welcome to the hundredth episode of Yoshi Dan. I'm here with Eddie Eft and Eddie. Welcome to the show. Why are you laughing like that? Because just the way you said hundred episode, you have trouble with plurals. <laughs> That's not the only problems I'm, I have. I'm here at the hundred episode. But um, thanks for doing, Eddie, and thanks thanks for coming to me. Um, Eddie just moved. Where is this? This is. M- I don't don't say it. Okay. <laughs> That's right. I forgot your fan base. It's a very nice area. That's what I would say. And you just 
barely moved here yesterday. Moved last yesterday, couple of days. Yeah, moving to the. Uh, this is a terrible thing I'm about to say. Yeah. But um, my wife just flashed Randy Puga. Um, no. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. How but to who's, say this. who is Randy? If I could have cancer for a day or move <laughs> for a day, I think I'd take cancer for a day. Yeah. For a day, not like I don't want cancer for a long time. But like I don't want to move for a long time either. If you were gonna move for the rest of your life till you died, I might rather have cancer than move for the rest of my life. It's the worst. Isn't it amazing how much you you have? Nobody ever listens to your show that ever complains, right? What? No what? one's gonna go, he doesn't know how bad cancer is. Yeah. And I'm gonna be like, You don't know how bad moving was in my situation. <laughs> they know me by now and they listen to other shows and um so uh, no one that listens to your show gets offended by anything. I I think they know them not being malicious. I think that that's the big part, and they probably think like, well, he does. I don't think people are sure with you. What do you mean? Not that you're malicious. I think well, by the way, before, before, I can't. I don't want to assume like the listeners know, know who, who you I are. am. Yeah, because I think they're completely different audience. Really? I would think. See, guys- on my podcast, I'm I'm very not aggressive at all. I let people talk, and I don't do the crazy shit like what you do on my podcast. Yeah, or Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer, and I guess Rogan when I was on once. You're a podcast whore. Yeah, I don't. What what, what I'm gonna do? I am. I do medical lab work and do podcast and a couple of shows in between, and uh, here I am. But for those of you who don't know Eddie F, he's an um, outstanding stand-up comedian. I'm, I've known you for, what, maybe nine, ten years now? Yeah, I've been doing it. Uh, this September, it's 19 years. So we've known each other for a long time. Long and, time. And uh, I think you're extremely underrated and a huge star in Australia and New Zealand. And you started- Underrated is just another way of saying unsuccessful. Well... I think you're. I think you're. I think you're very successful. Um, I. Uh, I think everybody in their own mind though thinks they're underrated, don't you? Like, I, don't, I think there's very few people that are like, "Holy shit!" Kevin Hart is probably like, "Ah, I'm overrated." <laughs> Every time I see Kevin Hart, he's like, "I can't believe it. It's crazy. It's great." I'm like, "Yeah, we all think it is." He's a nice guy. Super nice. As nice as they get. I remember the story when he was leaving New York at the Comedy Cellar. I think Rich Voss and Patrice O'Neill was throwing a telephone book at him. And like, Kevin Hart is like 5'3". He's a tiny dude, right? Yeah. Tiny. <laughs> a telephone book. <laughs> and that, that's the... Uh... But they all liked him. When he came through New York, he came through way after... Not way after me, but a few years after me. There were like always generations, like mm-hmm. classes. And I was in the same class as Bert, maybe a little bit before Bert, but Bert, Dimitri Martin, Mike Birbiglia, that was like kind of the the years of that I was coming up. And then Kevin Hart came up with like uh, Joe DeRosa, a couple other guys like uh, Kurt Metzger. I see. Those guys all came from Philly. There was like a group of them that came up to New York from Philly and they were friends with Keith Robinson and Patrice and Colin and... And they all kind of liked Kevin, Kevin, because sure. he's so likable. But um, but did you know back then that he's going to get this big? No one knew. You never would have thought. But I here's what I've learned from 19 years: you can't predict who who it's going to be. 
Yeah. There are some amazing comics that you're like, well, he's obviously because he's so fucking good. And then there are guys that you're like, this guy stinks. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you know, they're a movie star. Yeah. So that happens way more where the person sucks and then they become big. Then the person's great becomes big. Um, so I think hard work and just playing the game gets you a lot farther than talent. Way, way farther. I mean, I, I don't, I always wonder like, why did it so hit it up so well for you in Australia? Like, do you change, you don't change your act, right? You're, you're, it's the same act. Um, when I went to the UK, yeah, I started doing comedy. I was bombing right off the start. And then it was like, cause I just went up as soon as I got there. Yeah. But then I'm a, I'm, I guess I'm a, I'm very gregarious and I, and I go out and meet people and, and kind of try to figure people. So I spent a lot of time with like British people and started to figure out their sense of humor sure, and, and just conversationally tried to be funny and then was able to then kind of change my act, not even knowing I was changing my act, but just being conversational. Sure. So once I kind of not conquered England, but I conquered that that barrier of being able to perform there. I'm not saying oh, I was, a, but I was able to perform there and 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 get laughs and do do my job and like get paid. I was like, oh, you know, they'd send me to a couple other places. And it was like the confidence once I got one country and then I did Amsterdam and I was like, okay, now I did a non-English speaking country. Then they're like, you're going to Germany. You're going to France. You're going to South Africa. You're going did, to China. Did the Dutch seem a little uh, jaded in a way to what you? The Dutch? Yeah. What I, the Dutch to me, the Dutch comedy scene is very jaded because Anytime you go to a place that has a really small comedy scene, yeah, they're so into it that they're snobs. They're comedy snobs. So they only like the people that in America are considered the top best comics. Right. And in America, there's such a small niche of alternative comics that think they're com I mean it's it's high school. I'm I'm starting to get a little frustrated. It's completely high school in America. And uh, I figured out the other day what the difference between alternative comedy and regular comedy is, mainstream uh, comedy. Wow, didn't explain to me. It's the Lades versus the Never Got Lades. So totally what it is. Mainstream comics, we're all performing on stage and doing it. Every guy's performing. To, I mean, part of a, a real... Um, I wouldn't say it's superfluous, but a, a, an added benefit of being funny yeah. on stage is that girls find it attractive. And so a lot of comics I saw coming up through New York City would use that that to, to, to get laid. Yeah. And a lot of alternative comics were really funny too, but just weren't able to transmute it into, they, they just couldn't, couldn't get laid. What? And, Wait and a minute. So I need to think on that one. Think about it. Think about the good <clears throat> alternative comics. And let's not name names. 
But you know what? You know what's confusing? There are guys like Attil and Louis who would do alternative room. Obviously, they're hilarious. Yeah. But there's comedians who are only traditionally just alternative rooms. They can't perform other rooms. I don't think. No, I, no, that's. I think. That's I don't think they could go to black room, or <laughs> no, a Latino rooms. You no, know. no. But if you ask them about that, mm-hmm. and the funny thing is, the funny thing about that, and I, I don't want to bash alternative comics just because. No, there are funny ones. But they're sure. very. There's a lot of really funny ones, and I really like their stuff. A lot of them, but they're usually, and I'm generalizing and starts. They're usually very. Um, very politically correct. Oh their yeah. Their comedy doesn't hurt, doesn't point fingers, and they're very anti-racist and very and they would point at someone like me and call me a racist, okay? But if you notice something They will never call me racist because I'm minority. Right. But they don't like what I say, for sure. But if exactly. But if you also notice they don't perform at black clubs or Latino clubs. They're afraid of them. It's I don't know if it's so much afraid. Or it's <laughs> it's it's this is a terrible thing to say, but it's a bit of racism. It's it's always the people that are most racist that call out racism. Oh yeah, and that's what I believe it is because that's the irony of Ant- Anthony Cumia getting fired. He's willing to talk to black people. Yeah, if if you were to ask those comics behind closed doors, yeah why they don't play those rooms they wouldn't say oh because you know that's not my crowd their way of saying that's not my crowd is their (laughs) way of saying those people aren't smart enough for me because the rooms i play the people but then they would go it doesn't matter if they're white black mexican it's i just like a higher brow crowd which is it's classist it's it's just a way of rejecting people and i find that the funniest about that whole group and that whole it's like progressives progressives are the most fucking all they do is they try to say oh we're the liberals and we're you're not you're not you don't allow free speech at all you're the the first people to to i i just had some guy i made a joke on twitter that i said uh i said uh uh the ice bucket challenge is the new make coney famous and somebody wrote back and they're like, the Ice Bucket Challenge has raised $5 billion for ALS and it's raised an awareness. That, so clearly you don't know what you're speaking about. And I went, clearly I do because I was making a joke. So clearly you don't. Yeah. You know, like I'm making a joke, you fucking asshole. You fucking. And that's that typical progressive attitude of uh, Eddie, I think you're hundred percent right about that. They, they will never say that. They'll never say that like they're just too dumb to get my humor or whatnot. But like But that's what it is. But if you do that kind of material for the black people, they're not gonna say we're too dumb to get it. They'll just say your shit in your stuff ain't funny, you know. Chris so, Rock said it best. He said if you can only tell jokes for smart people, you're not too smart. Yeah. <laughs> you know part of Part of intelligence is having an awareness of people and being able to communicate with people of all different walks of life. Yeah. And so if you can only communicate One group. with people that, that know every character in Star Wars, it doesn't mean you're smart. It doesn't mean you're smart. It just means that you're, you're in a niche. And it just amazes me that because 
there's such a a love of comedy now and such in the in the internet world all these people have gravitated towards it and they're the people that that respond to it yeah. through through media through writing articles publicizing people uh retweet you know like retweets there's there's a whole million different mediums of of propagating a comedian and the alternative com comedy community does that you know and they've got this and what it does is it promotes so so people around the world all are going who's that oh well i see these so they they really promote from within yeah through the and the internet has made that whole community rise and there's no difference if you watch so many of those guys are really funny and you take them out of their club and you put them in a mainstream you're like oh they're doing the same thing it's just as funny just as but it's it's the same same stuff yeah. it's not alternative it's just it's almost like a you remember when the seller comics kind of had this like they were just getting a lot of heat and if you worked at the cellar you got a lot of stuff here and yeah they all kind of helped each other out when tough crowd was going on and and it's kind of the same thing with you know nerd meltdown and nerdist and um you know all those rooms now it's like a you know you scratch my back i'll scratch yours kind of thing i don't know i guess i'm ranting i don't know I, i've been talking for for 20 minutes now about this but i just yeah it's been pissing me off lately it's amazing because i ask people to be on my podcast all the time and i'll go hey will you do it and so many guys are like yeah i'd love to do it and a lot of old comics i've had a ton of them on they've been great rory scoville moshe kasher guys that traditionally would be considered alt comics yeah but i don't consider them alt, and i love their act and i've seen them perform in front of a lot yeah. of crowds and they do great but there has been some alt comics yeah no mainstream comic has ever said to me no like no i won't do your show i've had a number of alt comics be like no and i'm like what and they're like no and well, I, I, is is that because they feel like they're going to get attacked? I don't think so because I've never attacked anyone on my show. No, no comic. I, Jim did. I never attacked anyone other than Jason. Yeah, but I just find it funny. That it's you know, it's high school. It's high school. I'm not coming to your party. It's hard to categorize you because I've seen you act and like normal. I don't know. I, I don't know if the word normal is right, but they're they're like down to earth people would enjoy your show for sure. But the podcast, if they only got whiff of it, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's they'll be maybe weirded it out. They're very weirded out. Yeah, because you know, even once I've done, I, I think that'll kind of weird people out, you know. But um, you're onto something, Eddie, because. <laughs> I, I really like, I you know when you when you go to Scandinavia is that your first time performing yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, turns out I'm not doing Sweden now. I'm only doing Norway and Denmark. We're doing like twelve dates and maybe more. I'm going funny. I'm going with two uh, alt comics. Uh, forget their names right now. But Carmen Lynch is one of them, a female comic. She's funny. I watched her Letterman set. It was really good. Is she American? Um, she's American. She's really good. Like you know the whole thing about women aren't funny you know they say that and they being me 
Um, they, uh, no, I think women are funny. I think, Jesus, some women are hilarious. I, I there are so many women. Yeah. Uh, did Joan Rivers die, by the way? No, but she's um, like on her last legs. Yeah, that's sad. Like Joan Rivers, for example, fucking hilarious. It's just an amazing woman. trailblazer for sure. There's so many, so many funny. Who women. go against Johnny Carson at the peak of his career? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that shit was just crazy. She's just been great. Everything that woman's done has been great. Every time she doesn't apologize, she's just amazing. You know, and, and Sarah Silverman, there, there's a million. Wanda Sykes, there's a million funny women. But. By the way, you tried to introduce me to Sarah Silverman one time. I what? You you, you tried to introduce me to Sarah Silverman one time years ago. Did at I? The, the, the Hollywood Improv. And I had this sore on my lip. That's hilarious. That's why. So she thought maybe I'm being rude, but like I didn't want to meet Sarah Silverman with fucking you know hepatitis A, B, and C. Oh my god! So I, you said like, hey Yoshi, where are you going? Like I just I ran out of there. That's hilarious. I was probably like singing your praises too. You were saying something nice, but like, oh, you know, this is like a weirdly weird cold sore that looks like you know fucking like, birth flu or something like shit. it came from where it really came, it came from. from yeah <laughs> yeah um but I, you you know like I, i'm always impressed like you you people like you you're an honest guy and you you're successful at it but <sighs> it's a ringleader at the circus it's almost like you're that guy so you're not going to necessarily do something crazy with your personal life but you like doing your podcast and having those like bunch of fuck ups show up i want the, like a bunch of monkeys doing a trick i for you. want the most fucked up people i realize i have them all around me i love we i collect weird people i want the weirdest people in my life i love interesting i love funny people if you're funny uh i watched one of chris wilde's dad holes have you ever seen his youtube dad holes no i watched one the other day it has like a million hits so funny i love a funny person love them if you're intrinsically funny you're my favorite person in the world all my life i surrounded myself around funny people like i've never been insecure about that where i had to be the funniest guy i but i always wanted to be around funny people like really funny people i was like that guy's funny like my best friend in high school you know i was friends with all the jocks and everything but then i found this kid wearing wide whale corduroys with ducks on them like <laughs> hang, like he knocked out a grill in the bathroom door that was locked because they were smoking in it and was lying through it having a cigarette in the high school like in my you know the freshman hallway of my high school and I was like who is this kid and I was like this like I always that was the kid I wanted to be friends with and all my friends looking back it's not like I don't have this group of like good looking jockey yeah. friend you know my wife's always like, look at your hodgepodge of friends. And I'm, like, I'm like, they're fucking hilarious. Like, I want the guys, you know, like jackass. Like, I always think I would never do anything the guys in jackass did. Right. But I would have loved to hung around those guys and just watch them. You you run this show. It's a hilarious show. You're a funny guy. But you're almost like a point guard. You don't you don't feel like you need to score every time. You you really like putting your friends in a situation where everybody have a good time you know and that's all i want that's what i wanted to make i hate show. those fucking shows they're trying to like gain up on one person you know i've, I've been in that situation in east coast 
Oh, it's a, yeah. It's fucking unpleasant. I did that for a long time, though. I was on the East Coast, and it was, you have to try to get your joke in all the time. Yeah. You have to be the, you're constantly trying to be the funny guy in the room. And uh, I just had too much of an appreciation for, like, I'll step aside. When I see someone who's funnier than me, like, when I see Chris uh, Chris Wilder, or when you're on fire, or when, when Ian Bag is killing yeah. it, all, I, I don't want to mess that up. Like, why, why am I going to get in the, I'm on a team. I want to see the team score. You know, if one guy's running the ball, then why am I going to take the ball from him and get tackled? I'm like, go Ian Bag, go, go Joe Brain. Like, some of the guys are just, and I truly, I, I think what it is, is as I get older, I'm less insecure. I think most comedians suffer from horrible, horrible insecurity. Yeah. But at the same time, that's what makes them so funny. Probably one of the funniest guys I know who is probably one of the biggest assholes I know and most insecure person I know in the world. It's totally what makes him funny. But it's also what will kill him, you know, and, and also makes him a miserable person. Well, who is this? I'm not going to say. <laughs> I think I know who it is. I'm not going to say it. Everybody in the world knows who it is, but... Um, but, but you know, you know, you know, you know what it is like. When I'm in the East Coast, it feels like a contest. It and, is, and it, you're almost w- w- waiting for somebody to fuck up and everybody getting up. But what I like about what you did on the show, it's it's just like it's a casual conversation. We're having a good time, and it doesn't have to be like I don't know war or something. You know? And, no, I I mean I I went through that so much in the East Coast, and it is funny in the East Coast when those guys. Like I, I did enjoy it, and I used to love, like going after Rich Voss, and he would go after me. I called him the other day because he trashed me on, on Rogan's show. And I, I listened go, to that, and I go, "What did he trash me?" He said something about Patrice, how I would leave the room when Patrice would come in because Patrice gave me a beating. <clears throat> something, uh, like something like that, and. If you want to talk about Patrice, you know who hasn't got like a, a beating from Patrice. Yeah, I'll be honest. I did not like Patrice. Everybody talks about how great he was, blah, blah, blah. Did I think he was funny? Yes. Did I think he was amazing? No. He did have some amazing points and social satires that I thought were amazing. But as a person, I really didn't like the guy. He just wasn't very – it took a long time before he and I were even civil towards each other. Yeah. Because I would just come in and he would just just crucify me. And I guess I've done that to kind of guys, younger guys maybe. And, And I have to remember that's what Patrice did to me. But it, it, it believe was, me, you're not the only one who uh, was a receiving end of that. And I, I do like Patrice, but that the last time I saw him, it wasn't good because we got a big argument for like two hours, three hours at the uh, ironically st- stand up live in Phoenix. He was just telling me how much he hated Asian people. Jesus. <laughs> and um, it kind of bothered me because, you know, he's, he went up on stage to say something like, well, you know, blah, 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 because I don't have any Asian friends. And I'm just looking around like, what, what about. All the years I've been sending you shit, and we were getting along talking and stuff. But and then did he tell you you weren't his friend? Yeah, and uh, I should have known better because Norton said like, for him to show feeling for you and liking you is the way to harass you. You know. Yeah, that's what I heard from him too. But you just didn't feel it. I just felt like this guy fucking hates me, mm-hmm. and I don't know why I'm sitting here like talking to a guy who just absolutely detests me, and. Uh, he would just rip me apart. But it was weird. When I left and moved to L.A. and then he came out to L.A. a couple times, I'd see him and he'd be like, Eddie, and, and we'd get along. So 
I don't know, you know, just relationships are different and everything. But just, you know, when he died, not saying I was happy to look, I don't want, I don't wish that on anybody. And that was sad. I guess that's where you and I differed. (laughs) But everyone was like, oh, he's, you know, Patrice was the greatest guy in the world. I'm like, no, he wasn't. He wasn't the greatest guy. I know really nice guys. I think Lisa Limpelini says something too. And she was pretty honest. Like, he did terrorize her, I guess. Yeah, he did. And um, he made her cry on an airplane. Yeah. And and you just can't believe Lisa Lampolini, somebody breaking her down. But um, um, I'm not going to take anything away from Comedy Cellar. Those are funny, funny guys. But the thing that drives me crazy, and I'm not going to say specific examples, but um, comedians, you would think they have self awareness, right? So they could see. They, sh- they should try to see outside of themselves and how they're behaving. And, like, I I get it, you're a funny person, but, like, you're a motherfucker yeah. the way you treat people. It's, I mean, it's, it, funny. it, it, it's, it's, funny it's a fucking... There's times I want to get a gun and shoot some of it, these guys, you it's know? It's funny that comics don't realize that more. And, <clears throat> you know, that's what I've... Because you kill the comics so you could act like that? Jesus yeah. almighty. As I've gotten older, I think it's, I think it's just maturity and everything... But I look at like what's important in life. Yeah, happiness is important because we've all seen all these famous, famous comedians, <clears throat> you know, put a put a bullet in their mouth, hang themselves, OD. do whatever they can to kill yeah. them, and they're miserable. So this success that all these comedians are trying to achieve, I have news for them: just because you're on TV, just because you're a star, just because you have millions of dollars, it's it's not it's not the pinnacle. It's not the ultimate goal. The <laughs> ultimate goal is happiness. Yeah. And but that doesn't it doesn't seem like compatible, you know, like Robin Williams recently killing himself. And, you know, you know, my history with my family with that shit, you know, um, I I stay away from some of those comic from East Coast because, first of all, it's not my thing. But to I, sometimes I get angry, as you know, I get kind of violent. And I'm always been worried about that sort of thing. Yeah, you I know? just hope I'm not on the other end of that. No, no, you will, you will never be. I'm I mean, the last? I'm where? <laughs> the last? On your shooting spree? You will, you will never be, Eddie. Where am I? I'm not on the list? No. Okay. Because you're not a malicious guy. And, the, you know, the. Yeah. I don't know if these guys are malicious. What I think it is, is I think it stems from pure, pure, pure insecurity. And some of them. Are so they strive so hard to be famous and significant that they will do anything, fuck anyone over, say anything to anyone, hurt anyone, because they believe that if they get famous, it will make them happy, and it will make all their pain go away. Do you really believe that? They you so much because a lot of these guys, like if you took stand-up comedy away from me right now and said you're not going to do, I'd be like, I'd probably be like, good. You know, my life will probably be better. Healthier. I'll go get a job and I'll, yeah, I've got a great wife and happy family. And sure. Great home and dogs and I surf every day. I'd be happy. Yeah. So comedy's just something that like. It just happened to be something you're good at. You you, you enjoy doing it. Yes. Right? I enjoy doing it. It's something I'm good at. And, and I work hard at it and I wish to. And I, I really, truly do enjoy making people happy and laugh. And yeah. when I like these fucking podcast fans, when they're like, hey, man, you get me through my shitty day. I'm like, fuck, I got to do a podcast. But, you know, this kind of conversation, if they get whiff at the comedy seller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And get the fuck what? out of here. Yeah, but all those comedy seller guys yeah. are the ones that are dying young. And it's because they're fucking miserable. And so they can laugh at me all they want. Yeah. 
that sorry, you know, that the problem is I have high self-esteem. I was there for like seven, eight months, two years, right after I got fired and like, I was fucking miserable, man. Yeah, I, I, I was just like, they're the assholes. I mean, I love the comedy show. It's my favorite club to yeah. perform in and I laugh at them a lot, but I also knew get away. And there's a lot of people that go in and get away from the table because it's dangerous. A lot of really good comics. And I fell into it. I got sucked in, and I'd be there every night hanging out at the table. It's a great club, and the audience are wonderful. But I'm and talking about, and your fans might not know, there's a table upstairs for comics only where the comics sit, yeah. and the comics just trash each other. And I used to sit there. I was just looking in my calendars. Yeah. I'm, I'm moving. I found all my old shit. I've been working at the Comedy Cellar since 19, I think it was 1997. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think I started, or maybe it was. 90. That's right. I've seen that. There's a big group picture of you with Sarah Silverman. Yeah, I just and, yeah, posted yeah, that. Yeah, because I just found all this shit. Ninety-seven. I started working at the Comedy Cellar, and I remember I was on late at night. It would, it would be like me, Artie Fuqua, Jordan Rubin, uh, who else was on late? At night? Russ Maneev, Ben Bailey from Cash Cab. You know, and Attell would go on late at night. Uh, For those of you who don't know, if you watch La Louis C.K. show, Louis, beginning scene when he's walking to a comedy club, that's Comedy Cellar, which is considered as the best club in New York City. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it's an um, amazing place. But one time I was visiting, first or second time, I think Robert Kelly or somebody said, oh, come over and sit over here. And I sit there, not knowing it's the only a comedian who passed that allowed to sit there. Oh, it wasn't Robert Kelly. Somebody else told me to sit there. And Robert Kelly, get the fuck out of here. You don't belong here. Yeah, it's it's brutal. Yeah. There's like, a oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. There's I was a sign supposed. at the table that says comics only. And the oldest joke in the world is when a comic sits down there, like the joke to the comic is they put it in front of him going, you're going to have to leave comics only. Mm -hmm. Like you're not a comedian. And everyone does the joke. Everyone. And uh, like you're in the club, you have to pass to get in. Yeah. And then you can get kicked out. Like, I was kicked out for probably two or three years for a while, maybe even What? Wait, wait, how did that yes, happen? He kicked me. I missed, I missed some spots. I was late. Or not late. I missed them. I slept through them. You know, I was, like, taking a nap. and They literally kick you out? Oh, like they kick you out, and then you got to earn your way back in. And it took a long time for me to earn my way back in. But I remember one time sitting there when I wasn't working there. Yeah. And I remember Esty, the booker, putting the sign in front of me, comics only, and everybody laughing. And I was like, oh, fuck off like this is but i mean she's been wonderful to me and you know she she really takes care of me she wasn't married to the owner right no 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 no. i always get that confused yeah. manny dorman he died and it's a great club i mean it's the it's the i mean to have the history it has and as long as it's been good if you're a baseball place like playing in, in boston or new york or city field a, or yeah it's, it's uh, um when i was it was the first place i ever saw stand-up comedy and I went and was like, I got to do this. This is fucking the best thing I've ever seen in my whole and life. And you see the big ones there. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld, Chris, Chris Rock, Rock, Chappelle. Chappelle. Every night, somebody. Attell is just killing it with new material. Yeah. And um, Only it, it probably hold like 80, 90 people there. About 100, 100? 110, 120 or something. It's small, but it's just so much charm about it. It's yeah. amazing. But wow. I mean, I have some memories from that fucking place. Like, you think about, like, your memories from high school, your memories from college. They're, like, four years. I have, like, 18 years of memories 
from the comedy cellar. So it's like that had a bigger impact on me probably than anything in my whole life. You know, any any relationship I've been in, yeah. Any, you know, almost almost as long as I spent with my family, with my parents and stuff. Sure. So that place has an and it it obviously had an impact on my comedy. So when I started comedy, I always had a dirty like my first comedy was the Benny Hill show. You know, I always liked dirty, naughty shit yeah. that you weren't supposed to say. And I was always a malicious, like not malicious, but mischievous, like bad kid. Yeah. So I liked bad humor. But working the comedy cellar at two AM, going on after a tell, and they've heard everything and they're sleeping on their tables. You know, you can only do jokes about fucking retarded kids. You know, it's like, what are you going to do? I'm going to rape something, you know, and they're like, what? And uh, so I developed a sense of humor, of shock humor from it was survival. Yeah. And it was funny because for the longest times, the only jokes I had and I would note and I didn't even think they were shocking. People would be like, oh, my God. I'm like, what? What? It's I mean, it's it's a fucking murder trying to follow David Hell. Yeah. It's just a murder. Yeah, he's the best. The guy the guy's a killer. Yeah. And then no one is more critical about his jokes than him, man. It's just like I wish I could write one five percent of what he writes. I wish he could listen to all the podcasts that talk about him. Him and Stanhope, I wish would sit down and <clears> just <throat> listen. Because you know you know you always wonder what people are saying behind your back. I would hate to hear what's said behind my back. But I feel the same way. I would hate it. Oh, it would make me like cry and want to crawl in a hole. But stand up in a tell for sure. Uh, oh my God! People respect. They would just hear people talking about. Like they could retire on hearing their accolades. The funny thing is, I don't think either of them knows. I don't think they care, actually. Frankly, I think if you ask to tell you, yeah, right, yeah, yeah get fuck off, you know. <laughs> And Stan Hope would be like, great, great. You got a bunch of fucking idiots following me, and I'm, uh, it's going to keep me one day farther from suicide. You know, like, they both would just be like, Row. but it's two two guys, two legends in their own time. You have a pretty good relationship with both of them? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I look up to both of them. They're not mean guys, too. They're not the ones that would instigate that shit, either. No, they're both... You know, they could handle it, but they're just not. I was pretty impressed with how nice Stanhope is of a person. And uh, I've known him for years from the Seattle when he used to come up. And I was scared of him. Oh, really? I was intimidated by him. I was intimidated by Attell, too. And once I kind of broke through that layer, I was like, wow, this guy, A, he's a really nice guy. And B, he, uh, you know, it I've been around a million famous people, but there's something about him that I'm just like, I look up to him like this guy. I look up to him, but I'm also like, be careful. Other guys are saying, I'm, I'm be careful because I don't want to give information where they're turning around and use it as a weapon. They will. They will. With that tell, I just don't want him to think I'm a fucking idiot. That's what I was worried yeah. about. And, um, so you're doing all these big shows. Uh, I'm glad you're going to Scandinavia because there's a lot of talking shit fans over there. It's weird. I mean, I, I, you know, whenever people show up, and we're in the middle of nowhere. We're like, we drove five hours north of uh, Stockholm, you know. And shitheads. Uh, uh, I would say two-thirds shithead, and the other one-third is like Rogan's fan. Wow. And 
they know everyone on the show character Jay's house Jay's <laughs> it's like what but I forget they don't have anything they're in the middle of nowhere and they have monotonous jobs so they listen to the podcast while they work all day well I mean if you think about it everybody's like what they listen to your podcast in the middle of Sweden it's like what everybody in America listens to Swedish music now you know, like we're all listening to them. What's wrong with them getting our sense of humor and and finding it funny? And and sure. And they probably don't have it as much in Sweden, but they will because they'll all kind of develop that sense of humor. And then they'll, they'll make they, it they really are. Uh, they, they watch a lot of American stand up and yeah. they're really developing it. And when I was in Finland like three years ago, Estonia, they're they were telling like stand up comedy in Estonia, Estonia. It's like five years old. Really? You know, yeah. I mean, they always had comedy, but stand-up comedy is uh, really is American form of uh, co- humor. I always had, like, I a lot of countries that I was going to, I was one of the first. Yeah. And I was definitely not one of the first comedians to perform in India, but I was kind of the first wave of non-Indians yeah. performing in India, and. The British what was that like? Go, British comics go everywhere. Yeah. So they've been there a lot prior, but they were going over and doing, like, I was doing 5,000 seats in India a night. Is that what the Gabriel Iglesias? Yeah, Gabriel yeah. and I did it, and uh, uh, who else? There were a couple comics that went, but but I had done, you know, I've been doing every country for a while, like all these, and, but there were so many British comics doing that. Yeah. Like, even way before me. But, what I always thought was no Americans were really doing it. Tom Rhodes was doing it before me. A couple guys. Stanhope was doing it sort of the same time as me. In and England, I, yeah. And I always had this kind of like... David Fulton. I don't know if you know yeah, him. Yeah, I know David. I love well. Dave. Yeah, good guy. I had, I had them all in my movie. And I had this idea that I was going to be like the guy that broke around the world rather than just in america like all my friends were pursuing america and i thought i'm gonna pursue the world like i want to be big in germany and yeah france and i want to and people kept saying why are you going overseas all the time i'm like because i to be honest i'd rather play berlin than columbia missouri sorry <laughs> yeah i would i'd rather play sydney australia than toledo ohio i i like america but to be honest i really there's only a few cities i really like to spend time in no offense to your little shithole in the Midwest, but I don't find it exciting. There's nothing about it that I enjoy. Sorry. Wait, so you don't go back anymore? Because I'm trying, one of the early shows I've done with you was Bananas in what, Cincinnati. I don't work that club. Yeah. Uh, but but I don't I, – I work the Funny Bone because it's a better club. Right. But, um, and Go Bananas, the owner – or the manager's a dick. Um, but uh, <laughs> you hear that, Mikey? Uh so, but there's there's millions of cities around the world, right? Yeah. And I'm, I don't think anybody would say you're gonna have a better time in fucking, you know, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, than you would in Stockholm. Yeah. So it's like, I want to play the big fun cities. You'll get new materials too when you're performing in another country. Yeah, and true, and and better life experience and. You know, I've seen a lot, and, and and there's also somebody said to me once: once you go to a city two or three times, it, it starts to get old. Sure. You know, and I've been to Kansas City five times. I've been to, you know, there's some cities in America I've been to fucking twenty times. 
I'm like, enough with this shit. We are, when I was uh, working in Stockholm on uh, free nights, we'll go to a place called Big Ben. It's an English bar. And we were doing show. It was a fun show. You know, half the people do sw- in Swedish, another half in English. And that's where I met um, briefly Amy Poehler's brother. Now she's got. Now he's got a show called Coming to Sweden or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I, I guess he was married to a Swedish chick. And I, you know, I jokingly told other comedians when I heard the name, like that's funny, funny last. I didn't know they really were brother and sister. You know, like what's the chance? Was but, he really funny? He was funny, but he, but, but he also has really good connections. <laughs> yes. He um but some of the reference that he made Swedes were laughing. I didn't get them because right, I don't I don't, I don't live there. So Well, it's funny because when I saw that, I was a little jealous and, you know, envious. I wouldn't say jealous. I I looked at that. I was like, cuz I tried to do I'm still trying to do the opposite where I'm pitching a show in Australia about me coming to Australia. I mean, how, I know you're big in Australia, but what I mean, where are you there now? I don't know. I, I don't consider myself big. I, I sell like. I know you sell out. No, but I mean, sometimes I don't. I, it's weird. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I'm very, I'm very happy for the career I have there. Mm-hmm. Would I like to be bigger? Yeah, I'd like to be a lot bigger. I'd like to, you know, just like anything. You know, I got, I got to have mortgage to pay. I got a house. I got to yeah. pay for, for a lot of stuff. So um, I'd like more. You know, it's America. I'm American. I'm a capitalist. I want more. I want to make more money. So, so do they do they try to offer you stuff like TV shows and things like that? It's weird. Like I'm trying to get a show right now, and we uh, one of the networks just or a production company that was like, yeah, yeah, we're go- just passed on the show, and so my agent was like, well, we'll just go to the other networks and the other production companies, and I was like, and I thought one of the one of the writers from Family Guy agreed to come write the show, and I'm like. We're coming to Australia and we're going to, a Family Guy writer is going to write a show for Australian TV for like no money. And, huh? and they turned us down and I was like, what, what do we have to do? It's, it's like anything else in life. You know, like how you can go up to like an ugly chick in the bar and you hit on her and she wants nothing to do with you. Right. And then you turn next to her and there's a hot girl and you start talking to her and all of a sudden this girl's into you and you're like, how did that happen? Right. I just, this girl, this ugly girl, because I feel like things are a match and you just maybe weren't a match with that. Like, a, like you just didn't click, but you clicked with, it's the same way. I'm sure timing has a lot to do with it, I'm sure. Yeah, it's yeah. A, and it's like comedy. Just maybe this network was like, eh, he's not our thing. And, but some other network, Breaking Bad, I heard, they pitched that to every single network. Showtime didn't out. want it because they already Nobody had weed. Wanted, yeah. Nobody wanted it. And finally, they're like, fucking A&E, whatever. And so, you know. FX had a chance to have The Walking Dead, and they said no. <laughs> it's the biggest fucking cable show out there right now. But well, I've, I used to think, how could you, what idiots? But I've read a million scripts in my life, auditioning for yeah. sure. And I'll read the script and be like, this is going to be a home run. This is the best thing I've ever read. And then it never gets made. And then... And then there are times when I've watched, like, or read really shitty scripts. That I, I remember reading old school, thinking it was the biggest bomb I Wait, ever Wait, did, did, did you did you audition for it? Yeah. Which character? Um, well, it was a combination of two characters that they turned into one character. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it was, uh, the name was the Mexican name. Because I said, 
why am I auditioning? This is clearly a Mexican guy. And uh, he was the guy. I remember my audition script was the one about about getting getting kicked out of school. And I'm like, I'm the first one in my school and my family to, to make it into college. And my, my mom is going to kill me. And so it was a combination of uh, him and then the the big fat black kid. Yeah. Who, you know, they threw his dick off or threw the brick off the... And they turned those into two parts. But, but when a, you read it, did you think like, wow, this is going to be a big blockbuster? No, I thought the opposite. I'm like, this is a piece oh, of shit. shit. And I was like... <clears throat> and then when the movie came out, I, went, I saw it and I never laughed. I laughed beginning to end. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny... I'm like, this is fucking hysterical. And I'm like, God, I'm an idiot. But a lot of that shit that was on the film was not in the script. I see. And I read for Road Trip, too. And I read for the character of Ruben in Road Trip to play the stoner. I got a call back. I went right to producers and everything on that. And uh, I thought uh, I, I thought I was going to get that and be one of the four guys. You, you know, recently, because Robert Williams passed away, I was talking about his movies, and I, I rewatched Dead Poet Society. At the time when I saw it as a kid, I thought, not Ethan Hawke's character, but other kid. It's going to be a big star. Was it Ben Affleck? No, no, I can't remember the guy's name. It? He, he, this no. actor, um, I should have checked his name. He ended up being playing a doctor in House for like years, and he was a good actor. But Ethan Hawke, I, I was off. You know, I thought I thought he's going to have a good career, but I didn't know out of all of them, he's going to be the biggest star. Just like Outsider, you know, Tom Cruise at the one of the smallest part. Right. I would have never guessed he was going to be yeah. the biggest international star. You would have star. thought C. Thomas Howell would be the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. And Ralph Macchio. He, I mean, he did well. I mean, with the help of a Japanese guy. Yeah. He but did, he did well for about three years. Sure. But you just never know. Like you what, never know. And there's something. And, I it, and it drove uh, crazy when whenever Patrice O'Neill saw Russell Peters. And first thing that he always said, like, dude, I know you're funny, but there's a lot of bunch of <laughs> passion afterward. Well, I think we're all going to die and go to, I don't believe in heaven and hell, but we're going to somehow, maybe there's an afterlife and we're all going to find out that like, there was like this map or plan. And we were like, oh, that's why. At this point in the juncture, you made a bad decision or good decision. Right. Or yeah. they go, it was all pre-planned and this was this and yeah. nothing you could have done would have changed anything. Nothing. It's just, it's, it's crazy. And that's why. I don't give a fuck. I really don't give a fuck. I try. I mean, Eddie, you seem pretty happy to me. I am happy. Would I be happy? Like, I would like more in my career. Sure. Who doesn't? Yeah. But, but I don't know if I, at what level I would go, oh, I got it. I got Because I used to think, oh, if I got Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Then I'd be like, I fucking made it. But now, I mean, I wouldn't even, I'm too old for it, but. If I got it like even ten years ago, I would have been like, yeah, you know, like I don't want to do this. <laughs> I want my own show. Cause I, I I don't know what's the trajectory these days because I think a lot of the comedians starting up, let's say twenty years ago, okay, get on comedy uh, seller, uh, get in with all those comic, do a bunch of auditions, then sitcom, then whatever. But I'm from with Russell Peters, and he just told me like. Some kid put his thing on YouTube. He was mad because he didn't know what the fuck that was. He, you know, they're stealing his shit from him. Not realizing three months after the fact, 
that's what caused all this ripple effect throughout the whole world that people saw his act, but he didn't plan it that way. Wait, what do you mean? So somewhere somebody, somebody stole Russell's. Not stole, but like somewhere two thousand three, he filmed his special for right. for Canada, right? In January of two thousand four, around then, they released it on the, whatever the Canadian broadcasting, whatever. Then I think within less than a month after that, someone put it on YouTube, and spread like a wildfire throughout the whole planet. Wow. And if I remember right, he's in like some motherfuckers stealing his shit and put it on YouTube for free. He was mad, not knowing that's what really, you know, he did all the hard work. Yes. But letting the whole planet know who he yeah, is. Yeah, but it, it, look, Russell had something that was viral, too. Yeah. There was something that made people want it. Because, look, I put stuff up on YouTube. Nobody's stealing it. <clears throat> Although I did see on a um, on one of those um, bit torrents. Yeah. They talk about under stand-up comedy specials which ones get downloaded the most, and mine was like, like they had like all these categories. They were like the people that have been like millions of times, and that was like Kevin Hart, you know, or something. Sure. And then like, but like four levels down with like Larry the Cable Guy and was me. And I was like, fuck, who are all these people stealing my shit? And all I thought was good. Yeah. I hope more of them steal it. But. YouTube, I've never had much success in going viral at all, even with any of my videos. But Russell did, and that's because people around the world liked something he was doing. And they because were because it. those are the group of people who are used to neglected or ridicule, nothing in between. And he flattered those people by knowing something about them and joke about them in a way that wasn't malicious, you know. Yeah. yeah. And that that really helps. And um. You know, I have a lot of problem. Obviously, if you listen to your podcast, I don't. I worked in porn business because there's obviously in, intimacy problem. But only thing intimate I do on, out of any of this is podcast because I've done comedy shows and people like it. It's crazy and whatnot, but it never had that kind of reaction at all. The podcasting, As podcasting. Well, because in podcasting, it's, just, it's just been crazy. Podcasting is also it's uh, it's an audio medium. It's mm -hmm. not. It's not on. They can't see you, but it's also you got to remember they, um, they, you're outlandish when you get on the podcast. Usually you go, yeah, and you show up, and everybody's just talking, and all of a sudden you're kind of performing and you're being, you know, crazy, yeah, and they like something crazy on there. I've always said you as a stand up, if you would brand yourself, sure, you would excel, but you just, you have that cool kid attitude that you just don't want to fucking do it. Why, why do you mean branded? What does that mean? Well, if you look at who makes it really big, it's usually through branding. People are dumb and they need like a hook. Yeah. Like get her done. They need something like that for them to 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 explode, to really be big. There's very few comics that could Louis C.K. it and just be themselves and talk shit and become really famous. Dane Cook had every gimmick in the world from fucking sufis to, to to i don't know to fucking gay tight jeans whatever it yeah. was you that you're like you're asian you're crazy you're outlandish you say really controversial shit it'd be like if you were a character it'd be 10 times funnier to the average person you're not saying like if i wore a suit you're not talking about that yeah 
I'm telling you, if you wore a special outfit, you walked out there, you would like <laughs> I mean, special you outfit. Only, like your name Yoshi. Yeah. You came out to like Japanese music and you walked off stage and went and did your act at the end you said Sayonara. People would fucking go bonkers. You'd be you'd be a household name. You'd be a household name. I could direct the whole thing. It, I, I, it, but mm-hmm. you'd lose a lot of your integrity. You'd uh, I mean, what is that? You'd catch a lot of flack from comics, like "What the fuck's he doing?" This character yeah. and blah blah, and that's what we're all afraid of. But we're not afraid of it when we're cashing the checks. You wouldn't have to fucking lie in a bed for seven months. Yeah, and let NASA stick needles into you. <laughs> How long have we been on? We're almost done. Like maybe ten more minutes. It's fifty-two minutes, Mark. Uh you know what? I mean. Uh, I feel more comfortable when I talk about stuff I want to talk about. Um, and it's it's been really hard to do that, but I have to say, doing podcasts, I think more people know, they think they know me, so they're more inclined to come and see you yeah. that way. But I, I also have to say... Jeez, look, you're living with a guy that, that fucking found you on a podcast. I know. Um, but... Ultimately, you still have to be on TV and movie. Sorry, but that's oh, there's no doubt about there's that. There's just no way around it. You get TV and movies from from fame. Yeah, the way this business works, nobody wants to use it. Look, I got to be honest. When I'm looking to book my podcast, I book my friends because they're funny, like yeah. people like you and Lance and Joe Prano and Lachlan Patterson. That's because they're really funny and Chris Wilde. I, but to be honest, you guys don't rate. Like when I have on Brad Garrett or Nick Swartzen oh, or of course somebody not. really famous. Yeah. Now, those guys are funny too. But I could have on somebody that's not funny at all and they're famous, mm-hmm. which I've had. And they rate. They rate really high. And that's the reality of this world is that people just want to see stars. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Where we're back. What happened, Eddie? We just had coyotes? Is yeah, that what I want? Yeah, I have this coyote obsession because I live out in the middle of nowhere and I have dogs and everyone around here talks about them attacking your dogs and jumping your fence. And so um, my dogs are really, uh, this is gay, but my dogs are really important to me. <laughs> and uh, I swear if one of them, I, I, I love animals. Like if my dogs weren't here, I'd be like, oh, those coyotes are great. Look at them. That's so cool. But the fact that they're like predators of my dog, it, it upsets me. So You just got to keep him in the house all the time. That's yeah, it. it sucks, even... though. You live out here, and it's great for dogs and everything. Like, I just hiked this trail today, and I was thinking the whole time, oh, mountain lions. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's the world, though. Predators. Of course, still, it's not as bad as uh, Hollywood. Um, no, those are serious predators. Um, the worst kind. But, Eddie, uh, I want to talk um, a few more minutes about your Why pod- did you say Jews? <laughs> What's wrong with you, Yoshi? Jesus. I like Jews. They're all right. Um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate it. I didn't know why you wanted me to put, on, put me on the show, and I, I kind of resisted for a long time. I was not in a good place. I think when you call me again... Probably five, six months after I got fired. And I don't know what the fuck was going on. I was going back and forth between L.A. and New York. And, you know, I I never guess it had that kind of response from people. Like on Tom Segura's podcast, I'm number one. 
Like I bait Bill Burr and Rogan and those guys to download. <laughs> is that weird? Well, I mean, knowing podcast people, if I had my chance to listen to you on a podcast or like I love Rogan and I find him interesting and everything. He can't go crazy and because I, he got responsible. And I like his show. Yeah. But if I just want to, there's certain things I want. Like if I want a good laugh, yeah. I'm going to go listen to you when you're on a podcast. If I want to hear interesting shit, I'm going to listen to Rogan. Yeah. If I want to hear like <clears throat> history stuff, I'm going to listen to Dan Carlin. It They're amazing. It all depends. Like my podcast, I try to cater to people just, if you just want to hang out and laugh a lot, hopefully, listen to my podcast. That's what it is. I mean, Joe, Lachlan, Ian Back, Chris. Chris is funny. He's always like, sometimes he starts a fight with people. Yeah. Uh, I think he's yeah, a great he comedic actor. and Oh, fuck. He got me in trouble with Tony Hinchcliffe. It was terrible. Yeah, and Tony's a nice guy. I don't know Tony's what was that the about. Nicest. It's terrible. I just, you know, it's like. Brett Band, you know good what guys. He's, doing. he's stirring it up, you know, and it creates. But at the same time, it's just like, I'm kind of over that. And I just want to laugh. And so. So, what's, what's your plan? Um, immediate future. You have a new podcast. Congratulations. Um, uh, I'm gonna go start hunting coyotes. <laughs> now I got the new podcast that's coming out in probably a few months uh, uh, called the called the Bingle Show. It's gonna be like a mobile variety show. Yeah, it's just gonna be like a like a an edgy Jim Jimmy Fallon, like a no censorship talk show. Sure. So we can do whatever we want. There's no rules because we have no our fans are our producers. One of which is right beside me. I got to see if he approves of everything. So um, that's kind of how it goes. So doing that, probably doing a little tour of Australia coming up, and uh, and you're doing Europe, doing Europe, little tour of Europe, guest hosting uh, on the Playboy Morning Show next week. Um, trying to get a show made in Australia. Yeah, Just, everything's a lot of like maybes. Yeah. Well, you. you I I think you're doing great, and um, I appreciate it. You know, whoever you ended up marrying, whoever you ended up marrying, that girl, it's like credit report. Like your life is good. You know what I mean? Like your your wife is wonderful. Like she. Yeah, I could lose she, her any minute though. She doesn't annoy you. She's smart. She charming. annoys me. Where is she? She she doesn't annoy me. That's the important part. And She's pregnant. Um, but there's times I wish like you annoy her, so her dad would just beat the shit out of you. Me too. <laughs> because your father-in-law is former Philadelphia Eagles player, right? Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. got a big ass hand. Yeah, he's a big ass dude. He's scary. Um, alrighty. I I, I guess we um, you know, I usually do long show, but I'm um, I'm glad you were able to do my hundredth. I I really thank you for putting me on your show. Um, no, anytime. You're you're always um, welcome. You're gonna be on the Bingle show too. Yeah. In fact, we might do a segment with you. And I was thinking you wanted to do. Um, advice to porn stars, but I think it's funnier if you give relationship advice to. That's the worst. People. You know what's funny? Um, if it podcast, there are three Korean kids run a podcast show in downtown. Danny Cho is a funny comedian, and I did it last week, and it was funny because they, I don't know if they planned, but one of the kids had a problem with a girlfriend or something. I give my advice, and like they didn't. Ugh, it was kind of rough answer. I mean, I was right in the long run, being way older than those guys. Right. And I told him, I told basically the kid that what he didn't want to hear. But 
Okay, so this is my, my idea. I'm just going to get random people on the show, like on the street, like on the Venice boardwalk. Yeah. We'll take the bingo bus and we'll pull up and we'll <clears> do like on camera yeah. with you with a microphone. And we're going to find a couple and we're going to say, what's the biggest problem in your life? And they'll say like, well, you know, he's he's very possessive and he thinks that, you know, like when I stay out late with my friends that I'm, you know, and he checks my phone all the time. What would you say to like a girl like that? Why, why, wait, say that again? Okay, so say mm-hmm. it'll be a girl and a guy, yeah. and they, and their biggest issue is that the guy is possessive and that he checks his girlfriend's phone all the time. You know, reads her text messages and stuff. And I'm, I'm giving advice to her. Yeah, you're giving advice to the couple, and this is your segment on my show. Ugh. Well. I want Yoshi, the character Yoshi, that... Has been drinking for a while. What I got a drink then, but yeah, okay. In fucking situations like that, you can't be dating somebody like that. There's no fucking way. You can't. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying you you can't have people going through your shit. And, and, and I mean, okay, so I'm I'm the girl. Randy Puga's the guy. Tell me. So I just told you. Oh, so um, he I'm I guess he thinks I'm insecure, but. I just think he's possessive because he's always going through my phone and he checks my text messages. So um, we fight about that a lot. So what should we do? I think the solution is you, you have to break up with a guy. You can't be dating a guy you like that. You want me to break up with him? Yeah. Look at him. Mexican. You can't have that. You're white. <laughs> I don't know. Don't ask me this. This is an audition. A, a vice shit. No, no, no. Um, no, I just want you to be like, I think you kill the bitch. No. <laughs> I I I gotta be careful uh, about stuff like that because people start believing every like. I know, know I, I know I and I I I am one of the ones to embellish that so much. So I I have to be careful about that too. I'm always like people are like, "How's Yoshi?" I'm like, "I don't know. I think he's burying a body right now." Yeah. And so I think I, I know I know it. I know it's funny and it is funny, but sometimes I got the feeling that they believe everything, and that was they the problem. They do, so I gotta stop that. There, that was the problem with the David Cho thing. Like he keeps saying, and then I don't correct him. And um, it's just, ask but, Jason about that, because all the shit I'd make up about Jason, and just blow it out of proportion, then Jason would be like, "Well, I can't. Uh, why? I don't know where the blur between the show and real life, and you're fucking." And I, and I finally had to let him off the hook because I felt bad. I was like, "Yeah, I've, I've gone too far." And, and and I know whenever I meet these guys, they're like, "Wow, you know, you're really nice." Like, what the fuck? Like, what, what, what am I? Some yeah, psychopath? Start punching it, your wife weird, in the face? It's weird because for podcasting, like, to be so great, to be as funny as it is, it's you have to be kind of a character, and you got to kind yeah. of play it up a bit. And some shows, it's weird. Some shows you do, and some shows you don't. And so, like, you know, this is a different conversation than we'd have on my show. Yeah, I mean, I, I just. I, I think people complain about my show when it comes to that because I don't feel like having a show pick on somebody and make fun of them. But when I'm on other people's show, I don't feel like I don't have to watch any sort of restriction and I'll just talk about what I want to talk about. And for whatever reason, people like it. And um, Eddie, thanks for putting me on the show. Like Guys like you and Tom and Bert, Rogan. Don't thank them. They're not here. Well... I'm just Thanks, kidding. man. I, I'm definitely going to miss the Talking Shit podcast, but I'm looking forward to doing the new one. Thank, so. thank Randy Puga. Randy Puga, who uh, donated 
thousands and thousands of dollars this for this guy. I feel like I need to whip his cock out, and I need to suck it right now. <laughs> do you like uh, do you like a hand on it too? Do you like spit? Yeah. Okay, spit on it. Cradle the balls. Cradle the balls. Cradle the balls. Say my name. Uh, we could end it now, but Eddie, you did something right because for for you to have uh, hundreds of these guys supporting your show and giving you money and stuff, you know, I'm like I. I, I I'm I'm shocked you reached sixty thousand. I didn't I didn't think you're gonna reach I fifty. I know it was amazing. Uh, they were tremendous. I could not believe it. And it uh, for the longest time I hated the fans in the beginning when I was working with Jim. I Finally, the truth. I uh, know I hated them. I hated them because they were so mean. Yeah. And then Jim left, and miraculously they all left, all the mean ones. And I was like, wow, these are like. Is that you? You really think that's? How... I swear to God, I used yeah. to wake up every day and open up Twitter, and I'd have like. 10 to 20 comments saying like who the fuck are you 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 have no career you don't belong in this business you're fucking ugly whatever it would say just you're not funny you tell boring stories yeah just the worst shit i get them now like once a month and it literally like 10 to 20 a day the day jim left it like started going away and i was like wow you know, and I'm not saying Jim made them do that. It's just his fan base has that kind of mentality, and I'm yeah. just glad to be. I it, it just I didn't care if we went from being number one to number one thousand just to get away from that. Yeah, was such a great feeling because it was just too much negativity in my life. But do you feel? Uh, we, we'll finish now. But do do you feel? Of course, you want to uh, would have ended differently, but uh, there's gotta be like there's gotta be part of you like. Liked him one point, right? It's no, not. A, no, I like it's Jim. not a good feeling. I like Jim a lot, and we are good friends and everything. Uh, it was just uh, too much negativity. I just couldn't be around that. Yeah, I didn't know the guy. I mean, he was really nice to me. I only did one and episode. I'm not saying Jim, just the the fans and everything, mm -hmm. the way the show was going. I just couldn't. I had to get away from that. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Eddie, thanks for doing. Thanks um, for having me, Yosh. Um, you want to put the, tell them about your website and uh, yeah, eddieift.com. I'll be at. Uh, Comedy Madhouse in San Diego this weekend, uh, the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th. And then next week, the 18th, I'll be in uh, Phoenix at um, Stand Up Live. And then September 26th, hopefully you'll be there. Uh, Where is this? Uh, we're doing the live podcast from uh, the podcast festival. Oh, I think, I think I'll be there. Okay, yeah. good. You'll be whoring it around. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Randy. And uh, Thank I'll talk to you guys soon.